tell us, which I don't believe, that there are over 15 sexual orientations and over 100 genders. And that doesn't include all the other worldviews and opinions that everybody has. But with all this diversity, by the way, let me ask you this. The world is trying to get us to swallow all of this stuff. Yeah, thank you, garbage. Embrace everything. Because the world tells us that if, if everybody will just embrace everything, that we'll all be at peace. Right? That's what they're trying to get us to. But let me ask you this. Since all this started, which has been going on for years and generations, but um, have you ever seen our nation or our world more divided than it is now? So has it helped us to embrace all this garbage? Has it, has, it embraced, has it helped us to tolerate it and to stomach it? No, it, it hasn't brought us together. It's divided us even further. All this diversity mixed with fallen humanity has created all kinds of problems in this world. The division, the strife, the rioting, the hatred, the violence, the war and genocide and murder and suicide and abortion and, and amidst all this sexual deviant behavior and, and all the social and political and family woes that are upon this nation. But in the midst of this diverse and pluralistic world, can we know for a certain that there is absolute right and absolute wrong? I believe we can. I want us to look at Ephesians chapter 4. We read almost the whole book last week. Can you believe that? Y'all almost read the whole book of Ephesians in one sitting last Sunday morning. We're not going to do that this morning. We are going to look at a lot of Scripture, but I do want you to go back to Ephesians chapter 4. Remember, Ephesians is kind of our, the groundwork book for this whole series. But Ephesians 4, 4 through 6 says, There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, there is one Lord, there is one faith, there is one baptism, there is one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. Let's pray. Father, this is your word. And I pray that your message would be preached fully through me. That I would be your servant and your vessel to preach your truth and nothing more, nothing less. That the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. And that your people would be blessed, challenged, encouraged, convicted, changed. And Lord, that if there's anyone here today without Christ, that they would be saved. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen to these scriptures. Psalm 83, 18. Then they will learn that you alone are called the Lord. That you alone are the most high supreme over all the earth. That definite article, the. The. What does it mean? It means the one and only. Look at that word, Lord. What do you notice about that word, Lord? That's different from all the other words. It's all caps. Whenever you see that in Scripture, which is most of the time in the Old Testament, it is the name of God. And it, was, it would be pronounced Yahweh or Jehovah or Jehovah. 
And the Jews, uh, in the early time when God gave them the law and told them, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, they basically, um, and God gave them that name, but they removed the vowels so they couldn't accidentally um, use it in vain. So it became unpronounceable. Uh, Y-H-W-H is what it would be, but we added the English transliteration back. We put the vowels back in it so we could say it, Yahweh or Jehovah. But it means the one true God. It means the supreme, the most high. And that verse describes who God is. Psalm 86.10 says, For you are great and perform wonderful deeds. You alone are God. Then God says of himself in Isaiah 41, Who has done such mighty deeds, summoning each new generation from the beginning of time? It is I, the Lord, the first and the last, I am He. Now we, I realize that this this whole series that I'm going to be preaching mainly to believers. But what are we to do with that truth? Maybe you've accepted that truth since you were a child. Or maybe that's a truth you came to know later in life either as a young adult or older adult. But if we accept that truth as truth, what are we to do with it? Well, turn to Deuteronomy 4.39 or look at it on the screen. God called Abram out of Ur, of the Chaldees. Ur was an idolatrous people, a pagan people. And God chose Abraham out of that pagan land and started a brand new people called the Jews. God started his nation out of or began with a pagan. Isn't that how God brings us all to him? He starts with a pagan. He starts with an unbeliever. And then, of course, Abram in his elder years with Sarah in her elder years conceived a son named, Bible lesson here, what was Abram and Sarah's son's name? Isaac. Isaac gave birth, and not, well, Isaac didn't give birth, but <laughs> all you women would take exception to that, wouldn't you? But Isaac begot Jacob. Jacob begot the 12 sons of Israel. And one of those sons was Joseph, who was sold into slavery by his brothers, who went to Egypt. And then there arose a famine in the land of Canaan. And so his brothers and Jacob all went to Egypt. And there the nation of Israel grew and, and grew numerically. I would say prospered, and, but God was with them and God blessed them. But they were surrounded by what? Pagans. They were surrounded by idols. They were surrounded by uh, a king. They were ruled over by a king that we call Pharaoh, a Pharaoh, and he believed himself to be God. And they worshipped many gods, mainly Ra, the sun god, and, and Pharaoh thought he was the embodiment of that god. And so in Deuteronomy 4.39, as God was handing down the law to this infant nation after he had delivered them out of Ur the Chaldees and started a new people, after he had delivered them out of Egypt, where they were surrounded by that, God wants them to know. He says, therefore, know this day and consider in your heart that the Lord, there's that capital, all cap Lord again, the Lord himself is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. There is no other. 
God expected his people then, just as he expects his people today, though surrounded by idolatry and wickedness and perversion and multifaceted culture and pluralistic society and all the gods that would be worshipped by men, God says, I want my people to know and consider in their heart that I am God and there is no other. What does that word know mean? Well, it means to settle it once and for all. To believe it. To be assured of it. To be aware of it. To acknowledge for a certainty that there is only one God. And that is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That is the God of and Father of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Do you know Him? He says, know this day. Are you, have you settled that question once and for all? First of all, have you settled the question that you know Him personally? That He's your Lord and He's your Savior? Do you know Him? You see, God's not some God that dwells way off somewhere and is not interested in your life. He wants to have a personal relationship with you. He, he proved and demonstrated His love towards us and that He sent His Son. In other words, God Himself stepped out of heaven and became man. And that God-man was named Emmanuel, meaning God with us. He was called Jesus. God is my salvation. And that God-man died on the cross for your sins. He was nailed there, pierced there. He was beaten and bruised and bloodied for your sin and for my sin. And while he hung there, he cried out, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. But see, today, you're here today, and, and we're confronted with the fact that there is but one God, and he sent his one son to be the one Savior for the whole world. Do you know him like that today? He says, know this day. What better day than today? God said to his people then, you, I want you to settle it right here, right now. Maybe some of you here today or maybe some of you watching need to settle it right here, right now, this day, that he is not only the one true God, but that he is my God. Will you make him your God? How do you do that? Do that by accepting his son, Jesus Christ. The Bible says in John 1 that Jesus came into the world, but the world did not receive him. Same world we live in today. He's here, but the world's not receiving him. But it says, but as many as received him, you must receive him. To them he gave the right to become children or sons and daughters of God. He will give you that privilege of knowing him and walking with him. Just as a, a son knows a father, as a daughter knows a father, they're in a relationship. You do that through Jesus Christ. You accept what he did for you, for yourself. Know this day. Don't put it off another day. Don't hesitate. The Bible says, Paul reminds us in, in the New Testament, today is the day of salvation. Now is the time. Know this day. Do you know today? You know, if you don't know that today, you can. You can stop right now. You could bow your head. In fact, let's do that. Let's bow right now. Let's just bow right now. In the middle of this message, bow right now. If there's someone watching online, if there's someone in this room, let's just settle it right now. Dear Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. I want to know you. Lord Jesus, you died for my sin. 
You shed your blood for me. You took my place. You gave me your life. And now I'm giving you mine. I want to know you. I believe in you. I believe that what you did was real and powerful to save me from my sin and to give me everlasting life. Thank you, God, for saving me. Some of you need to pray that or maybe prayed it just now. Settle that in your heart today. Lord, hear our prayer and hear the prayer of every person who just asked you to save them and forgive them. Thank you, Lord, for hearing their prayer and for saving them. Thank you for saving me as a boy. Thank you for those who are here are saved. Now, Lord, help us to hear the rest of this message in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, what about you and me who've known this truth for many of our... I was saved when I was six years old. And it was... I'll never forget it. And I've, I've believed this truth all my life, I would say. But what do I do with it? He says, know it. Settle it once and for all. We live in a world that no longer accepts one single truth. The world does not accept that there is one, only one God. Nor will they accept you if you say that. And if you stand for that, you will be hated. You and I, as followers of Jesus Christ, must know and settle it once and for all time that there is but one God and I will serve Him and only Him. No matter the cost. This world that we're living in today, this nation that we're living in today, expects every citizen to swallow without question all forms of beliefs, practices, and lifestyles. And now more than ever, it's time we stood on the truth, no matter the cost. Someone was telling me this week about two ladies that they had read about that worked for a certain store. I can't even remember the name of the store, but uh, they were asked... And my nose is running this morning, y'all excuse me. They were asked to wear the rainbow on their collar. Now, this culture is trying to get us to swallow that and they've hijacked the rainbow. But to me and you, a rainbow, and by the way, the devil and his crowd will always pervert and corrupt what God institutes. He's done it with marriage. He's done it with sex. And now the latest thing, or one of the latest things, is the rainbow. But you know what a rainbow, the rainbow is a symbol of? First of all, it's a symbol of judgment on sin. What did God do that precipitated the rainbow? He flooded the whole earth and spared Noah and his wife and his sons and their wives because Noah was a just man and found favor with God. And then God destroyed the whole world full of sinners because the Bible says in Genesis chapter 6 that there was nothing but evil in their heart and in their thoughts continuously. God said, I'm done. Boom. 
So they want to wear a rainbow? Well, you know what they're saying? We are inviting the judgment of God on our lifestyle. It's not popular, is it? But you know, to, to me, what the rainbow also says? My God is faithful to keep his promises. That if I will turn from my sin, that he will forgive me and cleanse me of all unrighteousness and give me a home in heaven. See, Noah, that boat, that ark, that's Jesus Christ. Jesus is the ark. He is the one who saves us and delivers us from the judgment of God. Now, that's not a very popular opinion, and it's not an opinion. See, opinions are like armpits. Everybody has at least two, and they all stink. That ain't an opinion. It is an absolute truth. And God's people, we must stand on it. Does the name, or does the date, April 16th, 2007, ring a bell with anybody? Does the name Lauren McCain ring a bell with anybody? How about the college, Virginia Tech? Now put those three together. April 16, 2007, Lauren McCain, Virginia Tech. You remember Virginia Tech had the deadliest school shooting in the history of our nation. There was a freshman by the name of Lauren McCain from Shawnee, Oklahoma, that left a powerful statement about her faith on her website before she was killed in that tragedy. This 20-year-old girl said the purpose and the love of my life is Jesus Christ. And she said, I don't have to argue religion or philosophy or historical evidence because I know him. We don't have to argue we don't have to prove anything. We just need to stand on the truth that we know God and that He is one. Do you know Him personally? Do you know, have you settled it in your heart that He is one? And He also says in Deuteronomy 4.39, Know in your heart, know this day, and consider it in your heart. Consider. That word means to return to repeatedly, to call to mind over and over again. What are we to know this day? What are we to consider over and over again? He says that the Lord Yahweh himself is God where? In heaven and where? On earth beneath and there is no other. That's what we're to know and to rehearse repeatedly, repeatedly. Because we are repeatedly exposed to the other side of that, the falsehood that there are many gods, that there are many ways, that there's not one plan for uh, sex, that there's not one plan for marriage, that there, are, that there are many ways to be happy and fulfilled. We're constantly bombarded with that. That's why we need to rehearse over and over. Jesus, or the Lord God himself, reminded the Israelites of this concept in Deuteronomy chapter 6, if you will, look at verse 4 through 15. Hear, O Israel, this infant nation, here's what I want you to hear. The Lord our God, the Lord Yahweh is what? One. He's not many, he's one. You, 
You people of God shall serve the Lord Yahweh, your God, with all your heart. We just did that whole series. Remember last year? We just finished it a couple of weeks ago. With all your soul, with all your strength, and these words which I command you today shall be where? In your heart. I want you to settle that. I want you to know it. I want you to consider it. But now he says, I want you to rehearse it. Verse 7, I want you to teach them diligently to your children. And you need to talk about it when you sit in your house. I want you to talk about it when you're walking, just walking down the street. I want you to talk about it when you're lying down. I want you to talk about it when you rise up. I want you to bind it as a sign on your hand and, and it frontlets between your eyes. I want you to write it on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. So it shall be when the Lord your God brings you into the land of which he swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you large, beautiful cities which you did not build, houses full of all good things which you do not fill, hewn out wells which you do not dig, vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant when you have eaten and are full, then beware, beware lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. You shall fear the Lord your God and serve Him and shall take oaths in His name. You shall not go after other gods, the gods of the peoples who are all around you. For the Lord your God is a jealous God among you. Lest the anger of the Lord your God be aroused against you and destroy you from the face of the earth. Do you think God is angry with America? You bet your bottom dollar He is. What do you think America deserves? Judgment from God. What does he tell his people? If you want to see your nation, if you want to see your people thrive and survive, it's not embrace all this garbage. It's stand for the one true God. Are we doing that? Are we doing that? We're surrounded, he says here. All these nations all around you are pagans. You must know it and settle it and consider it over and over and teach it to your kids. Teach it to your grandkids. Over and over. You say, preacher, that's brainwashing. Let me ask you this. Well, let me just tell you this. My brain needs washing. I got a dirty mind. And you go, oh, Brother Lee, we didn't know. Yeah, you did. Because you got a dirty mind too. It's filled with all kinds of garbage that you're thinking. Some of you came in here thinking about I'm griping and complaining. I don't like so. Y'all think I'm in immorality. I mean, our minds are corrupted with all kinds of garbage. And it needs to be washed. Not only my mind, Lord, but my whole heart, my soul, my body, my everything. I need to be washed. Brainwash me, Lord. Brainwash me, Lord. God told in Ephesians chapter 5, we didn't read that far last week, but He says to us husbands, Comparing us to the, to the Lord Jesus Christ, he said, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word. As you're pouring the word on your children and on your family and on your grandchildren, you're washing their minds, their hearts, their souls. I need to be brainwashed. What Hitler did was not brainwashing, it was brain poisoning. He poisoned people's minds. He poisoned them with the lie and our culture is being poisoned with the lie. Our students and our education systems are being poisoned with the lies. I don't know what's being taught in Thomasville and Thomas County as far as evolution goes, but what used to be in my day taught as theory is now taught as fact. They don't even introduce the concept that there could be a creator who created all that is. 
They're poisoning the minds of your children and your grandchildren. Should you not then be more vigilant to pour over them the Word of God and the truth of God and wash them, wash them, wash their brains because they're being poisoned. And that poison's got to be washed out. Who's washing it out? And if you're not washing it out, mom and daddy, if you're not washing it out, grandma and grandpa, your kid's going to grow up poisoned. And those are the ones who are leading our nation right now. It's because we... Ask God out of our schools. And now we're reaping what we sowed. I need a brainwashing. I need a little breath right now. <laughs> In preparation for this message, I told the early crowd that, um, that I didn't get as far as I'd prepared, but I told the Lord beforehand, Lord, you make it yours. It ain't mine. But I didn't get as far as I wanted to. But in preparation for this message, for this series, I've been contemplating who the audience would be. You say, what do you mean? We're here. It's us. Yeah, but I mean, the lost or the saved? Well, I, both. Both. I want the lost to hear this. I want the lost to believe. And the lost, by the way, those who are without Christ, they're They're deceived. They're being deceived by the deceiver, the devil. We'll talk more about that next Sunday. But I believe the Lord really intends this message also to be to the believer, to the follower of Christ, to the people of God. Why? Because even us, we have a tendency to forget even great truth. Now, I don't know, I don't know if you can quantify or qualify truth, one truth over another, but to me, the fact that there's just one God, that is one of the greatest truths there is. That's another thing I wrestled with. Lord, all these things that you're showing me, how do I preach them in order? Which one do I start with? That there's one God, that there's one Savior, that there's one way to that one God, that there's one Holy Scripture. You know, if you don't believe in the Holy Scripture, I can believe there's only one God. But if you don't believe in there's one God, I can believe there's only one Scripture. You know, and it's like, it just all fits together. God's going to take care of it. But... What I'm saying is that it, God wants you and me as his people to hear it because we need to settle it in our heart. And we need to rehearse it over and over again because we're being bombarded with error. And you and I, friends, we have to hold forth the truth to a lost and unbelieving world. We've got to hold this up to this world. We've got to hold God up. That's why this is our logo for this series. You see, we're saying to this world, we believe in one God. And we're saying to this world, pointing them to Him. There's one way to that one God that you can come to know Him through Jesus Christ and be saved. Doesn't the world... I mean, isn't... The, the fact that we believe there's one God... How can we say that? How can we be so brash or bold to say there's just one God. I mean, that's, that sounds arrogant, doesn't it? That's, this is the only way. There's only one way. That's, that's proud. That's arrogant. Doesn't the world consider that there are other gods? What's the evidence that there is but one God? I could say that the evidence would be a changed life. That God is the God who can take a ruined sinner like the Apostle Paul and turn him into a, one of the greatest 
soul winners on the face of the earth. Turned his life around completely. You, you're a testimony to the power of the one true God. He took you, he rescued you, he rescued me. And he changed my life, he gave me a new direction, gave me new desires. But another reason that I know there's only one God is because I believe with all my heart, believe, and I don't mean that means some people use the word believe to mean it could be this or it could not be that. No, the word believe is an actual no-so. It's not I waffle one way today and another way tomorrow. I believe with all my heart this is the only holy sacred scripture. And this Holy Scripture says there is only one God and His name is not Allah. His name is Yahweh. There is only one sacred Scripture and it's not the Book of Mormon nor the Quran. It is the Holy Bible. The Word of God. So how can we say there's one God? By faith. By faith. For Hebrews tells us it's by faith that we believe that the worlds were created by the one true God. Then he gives all the examples of faith. It doesn't have to be proven to me. I'm the proof. You're the proof. This is the proof. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. It's the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. I want you to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 8 and we're wrapping this up. 1 Corinthians chapter 8. Doesn't the world consider that there are other gods? Wouldn't the world, wouldn't a devout Muslim say that Allah is the only God? And that they know Him? You see, another reason I know God is real and he's, He exists and that He's the only God is because we, we talk. We talk. God talks to me. You say, ooh, that's, that's a bold statement. Do you read your Bible? Do you read your Bible? How many of you read your Bibles? So, say it with me. God talks to me too. God, we're all a bunch of weirdos to this world. Anybody claims God talks to him, you've got to be weird. Well, God talks to me. I read his word. He talks to me. Guess what? I talk back. I don't mean in a disrespectful way, but I pray. I talk to him. And he answers prayers. But wouldn't a Muslim say the same thing? Yeah, I know God. I read his word. He, and their God is the one true God. That's what Paul was kind of asked. And he said, uh, therefore, concerning the things offered to idols. Now you see, this church, and just about every church Paul planted, every believer that came to know the Lord, and they started meeting in groups, what were they surrounded by? Same thing Abraham was surrounded by. Same thing Israel was surrounded by. Same thing you and I were surrounded by. Idolatry. Paganism. It's always been, y'all. It ain't about to go away. That's why I'm talk, talking, and God wants to talk to the people of God. How do, we, how do we live here? How do we do what we're supposed to do? How do we live out our faith in the midst of all this? It said, concerning the things, eating of things offered to idols. Now, let me set the context for you. You go to the market back in that day, and there's this one beautiful skinned out lamb hanging in the market. Now, you would think, Bleh, I don't want to see that in the market, but you got to Rewind several thousand years. And that one beautiful lamb has come straight from the butcher shop. And they want $500 for it. And then right next to it, you see another lamb. Looks just as good. It's only $50. A 
Why is this lamb 500 and that lamb same size only $50? Well, that lamb that's only $50 has been offered to idols. It's used. <laughs> and Paul's point in this passage was, because an idol is nothing, you Christians can be free. If you want to spend 500 go for it. Why not just spend 50 and eat that $50 lamb and be free? Because an idol is nothing. That's what he says here. Therefore, concerning the eating of things of offered idols, because that was a big deal. How do we live and function in this society? He said, we know that an idol is nothing in the world and that there is no other God but one. For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is one God, the Father, of whom are all things, and we for him and one Lord Jesus Christ, through whom are all things and through whom we live. Now back up to verse 5. That verse may give you some problems. And that's the verse I want to explain. Paul, it seems to be admitting that there are other gods. He even says in the last phrase, as there are many gods and many lords. Let me read you Albert Barnes' commentary as he explains that verse, and hopefully it will shed some light on it for us. He says, as there are, in fact, many which are so-called. Now go back up and look at uh, verse 4. Because, um, no, verse 5. For even if there are so-called. He uses that phrase. That phrase means that others regard these beings as God. They're so-called or regarded. Albert Barnes says, it is a fact that the heathens worship many whom they esteem to be gods or whom they regard as gods. This, he says, is not an admission of the Apostle Paul that there were truly other gods that ought to be worshipped. Rather, it is a declaration that there were many people who esteemed that there were many gods. That's what he's saying. He's not saying, oh, yeah, there are other gods, but our God is, we see our God as being the only God. It's not what he's saying. That's what some religions believe. Oh, there may be other gods, but our God is the one true God. That's not what we're saying. We're not saying that. We're not saying that there may be other gods, but ours is the one true. We're saying there is only one God. Period. That's a big distinction. Big distinction. We acknowledge but one God. Whatever the heathens worship, we don't have to figure all that out. But we know there is but one God. So yes, people do believe in other gods. And many even contend that there is no God at all. Atheists. The second largest belief system in the world next to Christianity is Islam. They share something in common with us. They believe there is only one God. And they believe that there is only one true God and His name is Allah. We stand in opposition to that. We don't say, well, you may have Allah, but we have Yahweh. No, there is only Yahweh. They also reject the concept of the Trinity, the biblical view of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Greek mythology lists 12 would-be gods. Zeus, Athena so on and so forth. And Buddhism, contrary to popular understanding, has 
No belief in a personal God. Buddha was a man who sought enlightenment uh, in a, the wrong way, and many followed him and, and may have made him God, but they actually have no belief in a personal God. Shintoism, that of Japan, has 8 million gods. Not to be outdone by Hinduism, 33 million gods. Now, I'm closing. I know I said that before, but I am. With these scriptures. Exodus 12, 12. Hear the testimony of the word of the God of all gods. And when you hear these scriptures, you need to understand that they're addressed to those who think they're other gods. And they're, they're being said by either God himself or they're being said by people who are surrounded by would-be gods. That's the context. So here these scriptures, Exodus 12, 12. God says, for I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods, little g, of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord, Yahweh. What's God saying? You go back and you do a, a search. You look at the ten plagues visited upon Egypt. They represent attacks of God from God on every god Egypt worshipped. The god of the Nile, he turned it into blood. You just go back and do that study. God says, my plagues are bringing judgment on all those would-be gods. I want to demonstrate to the Egyptians there is only one God. I can't wait to get to the point where I can't get there yet, but I, there's a point I can't wait to get to. Just, but it won't be today. It won't be today. I just can't wait to get there. Exodus 15, 11. Who is like you, O Lord Yahweh, among the gods? Who is like you, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders? Who, what's the answer to that question? No one. No God. Exodus 18, 11. Now I know that the Lord Yahweh is greater than all the gods, for in everything... In the very thing in which they behaved proudly, he was what? Above them. First Chronicles 16, great is the Lord Yahweh. He is most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. You see, I'm telling you, God's not saying there are other gods. His word's not saying there are other gods. The context is written by men and women who were surrounded by other gods. And they're making a declaration saying, our God is above all of your would-be gods. That's what we're saying. Psalm 96. 6-4, great is the Lord, Yahweh, He is most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. 97-7 of Psalms, those who worship idols are disgraced. All who brag about their worthless gods, for every god must bow to Him. Give thanks to the God of God. Psalm 136-2 says, the God, big G of God's little g. We're surrounded by would-be gods. God's people, the people of the one true God, are called and commanded to stand their ground. Stand their ground. Don't be blown away by every wind and wave of doctrine. As Bible says will happen in the latter days. This church, Dawson Street Baptist Church, and yea, all of God's people should be known 
as the people of the one true God, we will not move, no matter the cost. There will be a cost. I urged the early service that we better be praying. I want you to pray for me because this is not a popular message. You need to be praying for you. I want to show you how you should be praying for you as I prayed for you this morning. After they were beaten, Peter and John, and commanded, don't ever say that again. Don't you ever say Jesus is the only way. Don't you ever preach that gospel again. That was after they had beaten them. Then they threatened them. And here's what they did. They called the church to pray. And here's the first sentence of their prayer. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness we may speak your word. You need to be praying for yourself and for me, for every other believer that we speak the word of God, the truth of God, because it's going to bring persecution. You're not going to be the most popular kid at school. You're going to be bypassed for promotion, maybe even fired. Or worse yet, we don't know. But are you willing to stand on that truth? There's only one God. There's only one way to that one God. His name is Jesus Christ and there's only one Holy Scripture. There's only one plan for marriage. There's only one plan for sex. There's only one Back in our book of beginning, we started this series in. He says, stand, therefore. Stand against all the wiles of the devil. Stand girded with his truth. Only one truth. Stand with the breastplate of righteousness. There's only one way to be righteous. Stand with your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. There's only one gospel. One way to Jesus. One way to God. Stand, taking up the shield of faith to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. It's only one faith. Stand. With the helmet of salvation, there's only one salvation. Only one way to be saved. And stand with the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. There's only one Scripture. And then Paul says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Being watchful to this end with all perseverance. Perseverance. Stick to it when it's not easy. Stick to it when the persecution comes. And then he says, pray for all the saints and for me that I may speak boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am now in chains. I'm an ambassador in chains. See, Paul was writing this letter of Ephesians from prison for preaching that there was only one God and one way to that one God through Jesus Christ. He was in prison writing this letter. Church of God, are you ready to die? If you're not ready to die, you're not ready to live.
If Jesus died for us, and we've accepted that as for our salvation, then we cannot accept any other way. Now, we don't have to be mean. Shouldn't be mean. But we need to be firm and steadfast on this truth. That's why we need to pray for one another because what's going to happen? The devil hates it. So does his crowd. And what if, the, what if attacks come? What if persecution comes? What are we going to do? Are we going to back off? Are we going to pull together? Are we going to get divided because it may cost us something as a church? Are we going to come together and stand? So this series is going to take us into some dangerous waters. It's going to take us into some uncomfortable places. But it's places we as the people of God have to go. Because Jesus said, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross, which is an instrument of death, and then follow me. If you're going to follow Jesus, it's going to cost you. Jesus said, everyone who comes after me will suffer persecution. That's why we need to pray for each other. We need to pray for the people of God all over this city, all over this state, all over the world. I told you the story Wednesday night about Musa. Stretched out like this. Stepped out of the church after preaching. He and some other brothers were, were captured. Then they stretched out like this and then they were beaten and tortured. They were asked, why did you convert to Christianity? Why did you leave the Muslim faith? Why did you become a Christian? Then they let him go. And they did the same thing Peter and John did. They went right back to preaching Jesus. And the prayer request that he shared in this thing that I shared Wednesday night was, pray that we'll be able to lead others to Christ. He didn't say, Lord, deliver me from persecution. He said, pray that we can make disciples who will make disciples. That was his heartbeat. See, our heartbeat as Americans is, Lord, don't let any trouble come my way. Lord, don't let anybody hurt me. Don't let anybody disagree with me. Let everything be safe and easy and happy and let's all just get along and sing Kumbaya. And when persecution and trouble hits because of our faith and our stand, we cower in the corner. And it's time for Christian Americans to stop cowering in the corner and start marching in the streets. And I don't mean marching as in protest. I mean in every area of our lives in your classrooms. Don't just swallow that garbage. Why don't you challenge it, students? Challenge it. In your workplaces, don't just swallow it because you've got to have a job. Stand up, and if you lose your job, say, thank you, Lord, that I was kind of worthy to suffer for your name. God's got some other way to provide for your needs. The nation's in this shape because God's people didn't stand when we should have stood. And one woman got her way and took it all out of the school. One woman. God could use one man here, one woman here. Second Chronicles 16, 9. The eyes of the Lord roam to and fro about the whole earth to show himself strong upon the one man whose heart, or the one woman whose heart is loyal to him. D.L. Moody said that great evangelist said, by the grace of God, I'll be that man. Would you say that to me, to, to, with me this morning to the Lord? By the grace of God. I'll be that person. Would you bow your head with me? Thank you for your time. Thank you for hearing the word of the Lord. Now, would you...